This podcast brought to you by TechSmith. Moray 2 is software for usability testing and user experience research, enabling you to test quickly and often, letting you solve real design issues. By PowerMapper. Mapping your site has never been easier. PowerMapper extracts links from each page of your site until it's mapped your entire site, providing you with a complete inventory. By OptimalSort. With an elegant user interface, powerful analysis, and outstanding support, OptimalSort can help you run successful card sorts better than you ever thought possible. And by Boxes and Arrows. Since 2001, Boxes and Arrows has been a peer-written journal promoting contributors who want to provoke thinking, push limits, and teach a few things along the way. For other events happening all over the world, be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. Google's Margaret Gould Stewart and Graham Jenkins sat down with me at UX Week to discuss their workshop entitled A User's Guide to Managing Experience Teams. We discussed various elements from the half-day workshop, including the first four chapters from their website, managinguxteams.com. Their workshop demonstrated ideas and recommendations about prioritization and project tracking, performance management, how to tailor your own project management style, and how we can gain insight into career development paths with a user experience team. Many thanks to both Margaret and Graham for taking time at UX Week and sharing their ideas and experiences, and I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. Okay, so uh, today I'm sitting down uh, with the Boxes and Arrows podcast uh, with uh, Margaret Gould-Stewart and Graham Jenkin from Google. Uh, thanks, guys, for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Um, and maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, what each of you do at Google, maybe to start. Sure. Margaret, you want to nice. start? So uh, I manage the user experience team for consumer uh, products, which include a lot of um, the search properties and search verticals, um, helping uh, the designers and researchers working on those products to okay. provide the, the best possible experience for our users. Cool. And uh, I'm uh, Pierre Magritz, and I manage the, uh, the ads group of designers, which that group tends to focus on uh, advertiser or publisher-facing products, right? Like the AdWords front end, AdSense, Google Analytics. There's a range of other products yeah. that we're in the process of building. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. So I manage that team. Great. And at UX Week, uh, you put on a, a workshop actually here for a few hours in the afternoon, uh, a user's guide to management. Uh, managing uh, experience teams, uh, which translates directly to actually a website that you have up right now, right? And, and what, right. what is that website again? It's managingUXteams.com. Cool, excellent. Mm -hmm. And and the focus of your presentation was around all the concepts within that process mm -hmm. that you've outlined, right, within the website. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you, specifically, you covered the first four chapters yeah. in the workshop itself. Right. Yeah. So the idea was, um, you know, Graham and I have been managing experience teams, you know, for several years, each of us in different kinds of contexts and. I think what we've learned over the years is there's some core skills that go along with being a really effective manager and leader, and then there's a lot of other topics that um, managers and leaders and even individuals within teams, um, you know, need to understand in order to be effective. And so, you know, kind of mm -hmm. had this idea of mm -hmm. um, providing a, a, a primer of sorts, yeah. um, but then really That's worked right. with the workshop attendees to sketch yeah. out some of the rest. Yeah, that really was yeah. the, the main idea was as Margaret said, just building on that was to use the workshop and the intelligence and experience of folks in the workshop to really create the guide that we could all share and use as a community. 
Right, exactly. And uh, you actually, it was it was unique. I loved it. At the start, I'm like, well, I don't really get where this is going, but it'll come at some point. But you had, you had, you had everyone. I mean, neither did we. No, no, it's, it's all good. No, but, but the, point that I'm, the point is that you started, you asked people to start writing haikus. And I was sort of like, oh, th I got to see where this is going. Yeah, yeah. This will be, be interesting. Yeah, it's fair to say Margaret has a haiku fetish. <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, especially that we spent an entire week uh, at this great conference talking about user experience one thing is true is that user experience people love talking about user experience absolutely um, yes. but I think what's really critical is to be able to say things really succinctly mm -hmm. and so you know haiku mm -hmm. is kind of my own little tool to say you know if you can't say it and five seven five mm -hmm. maybe you don't actually have Settle. a very crisp sense of what you're trying to say so yeah. it's kind of a fun tool to really encourage people to crystallize you know their thoughts and their vision and their ideas around things it obviously takes advantage of um, like the extensive creativity that you find sure. uh, in conferences with design professionals. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and there were some pretty unique ones which yeah. uh, Margaret, I understand you're going to compile and uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll put up on the show notes on Boxes and Arrows into a PDF format or something that <laughs> yeah. we can can look at later. Yeah, because uh, there were some some quite original ones. That yeah, yeah some are worth framing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm hoping that you know the community on your website will can also add to that as well. I think it's Absolutely. can be uh, it's can be a fun team sport. <laughs> For sure. So the first chapter you sort of walked people through was this idea of a project prioritization guide, um, or that element of it within the website itself. Mm -hmm. I'm, we're not going to get into the entire dynamics of the workshop because it was very complex. Yeah. It was over mm -hmm. three hours. It, it's tough to cover all of it. So I thought yes. we'd just sort of cover the first four chapters. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so um, maybe we could start by talking about sort of what, what you look at. Why is with the project prioritization guide, what is it and, and why is it important? Uh, and actually, before we dive into that, sure. it, yep. it might just be worthwhile just kind of setting expectations around kind of what the content is or the, the level of content in each of the chapters or the structure of each of the chapters. Absolutely. They're, they're structured around a pretty basic format where we uh, have an issue, in this case, pro uh, project prioritization, uh, and then have some kind of uh, synopsis or opportunity statement related to that issue. Uh, and then we have just basically a one-sheeter uh, in terms of a set of steps or a set of potential solutions to solving that issue. Okay. Uh, and uh, what goes along with that uh, potential tools or systems that you could use uh, uh, that the folks that came to the session could take away and use right away. So in the case of uh, project prioritization, uh, we followed that structure. So we have kind of an opportunity statement, then a set of steps, and then there was a spreadsheet that's out on the site that people can use to to try to go through some kind of project prioritization process. Um, so that's kind of the high-level yeah. structure. Well, I think the interesting thing about prioritization, too, is it ends up being kind of ground zero for a lot of the mm -hmm. higher-level issues associated with user experience. Yeah. Like, what are the design principles that, you know, mm -hmm. we're trying to drive as a team? Yeah. Um, you know, and what does the company see as most valuable? How can mm -hmm. user experience be most influential? And mm -hmm. it really comes down to brass tacks when you say, well, what projects are we going to invest? What yeah. are inevitably limited resources, right? Right. Can't work on everything. Right. So what do you choose to work on? And then what does that say about you yeah. as a team? Right. It's a very fundamental question question, what, what should we be working on? Right. And uh, so the process that we have here kind of touches on uh, or has tools related to uh, scoring project requests as they come in, uh, suggests a process around regularly pulling together some kind of project intake meeting mm -hmm. where leads from the team kind of analyze inbox style each project request to score each one individually from a prioritization standpoint. Okay. Uh, and there's a few other techniques that we have uh, included mm -hmm. as well. 
And the spreadsheet sort of covers that process mm -hmm. and also helps with things like sizing and monitoring workload for each individual team member and allows you to do some cool things like if you notice that one team member is overloaded, then you can uh, go to the spreadsheet and uh, make adjustments to their allocations until they're at a point where they're uh, pretty evenly balanced. Mm -hmm. So, Excellent. yeah. I think at a high level too, you know, a lot of these, there's different ways that you can design these systems. You know, at the end of the day, at least, you know, the way that I have looked at prioritization and the different organizations that I've been at, and I think Graham shares this philosophy, is you kind of have to look at three main areas. There's, you know, what's the potential impact on users, okay. right? The size and scope mm -hmm. of the potential audience, and, you know, we want to help as many people as possible with every engagement that we do. Certainly. And then there's kind of a, an area of what's going to be the positive impact for the business, whether it's revenue or strategic value. And then the third is, you know, for this particular project that's in front of us, you know, what's the opportunity for the user experience team to have uh, a significant impact? Are we brought in early enough into the process? Um, you know, does the team that we would be potentially working at understand how to work with the user experience team and take advantage of those skills? So, you know, you can, it's kind of at a very high level. Um, those are, you know, some of the main buckets that we're looking at when we're assessing a potential project. And what's great about that is everything I'm hearing you say, you're focusing on the positive elements of the user experience team and what it can bring to the organization within the project itself, mm -hmm. right? Sure. A lot of organizations, you know, it's, it's that lack of direction though, right? If there are 50 things to focus on, mm -hmm. well then, I mean, everybody's all over the map, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I was. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Cordell Ratzlaff, who worked with uh, Steve Jobs at yep. Apple mm -hmm. and at, at MX, and he was talking about, you know, before Steve, when Steve left, um, the vote was 10,000 to 1. The 10,000 votes would win, and nothing would get done. Yeah. But when Steve came back, the vote was 10,000 to 1, and the vote, one vote was Steve's. There was no question where the direction of the company was going and what they were focusing on for the project, yeah. right? So uh -huh. I thought that was a great story that yeah. I, I just wanted to share, because I thought it related to Absolutely. what you were talking about there. To be Absolutely. sure. Yeah. This, and the second chapter, yeah. uh, Margaret, do you want to outline what that's about? Sure. Um, we talked uh, quite a bit about career development planning, and I think what's interesting about this topic is, you know, you can have a really high-functioning team, um, but all the individuals within that team kind of have a life and a set of experiences that go beyond the job that they're in right now. Sure. And um, most people are really interested in understanding where they're going towards. And you know, in any employment engagement survey that you know might be done in any given company, understanding my career path is just kind of a universal mm -hmm. thing that you hear from these surveys. It's certainly been true in every organization I've ever worked in. And, uh, and so, you know, we think a lot about that within the user experience team because in particular, um, you know, when you're in a company that may not have significant experience working with user experience professionals, the organization as a whole may not know um, intuitively how to build great career paths for your experience professionals. And so sometimes it needs to come from within the discipline. Right. And, um, and so we talked about you know, providing a, a pretty easy process for managers, in particular if they're working in an environment where the company doesn't have a very um, kind of crystallized formal process, to kind of put one in place within the team. And there's a few kind of main parts of the process. One is, you know, I really encourage um, teams and managers to go through some kind of assessment where you help each individual understand what their personal strengths are, you know, what are the things that they're naturally good at, 
Um, a lot of times people have never gone through an assessment like that, whether it's Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or any okay. of the you know number of assessment tools that can just give you a little bit of um, a perspective on who you are, why you work the way you do, why you have a preference for doing certain kinds of things. And a lot of people have never had that before and that information, and it can really be illuminating. And then you know to be able to take that and say, okay, now I'm going to plan my career trying to build on those strengths. Right. Um, and that that plan doesn't totally necessarily correlate to the specific job you're in today, and maybe <laughs> what you're headed towards mm -hmm. three to five years from now. Yeah. And, um, and to be really proactive about that as a manager, yep. and it, you know, to make sure that everybody on your team has a vision of kind of where they're going yeah. um, is, is very powerful, and I really believe that it, it um, creates a lot of loyalty within a team mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, kind of improves your ability to retain great people. And I think one of the things that's interesting about the structure that Migrant has is that it's, it's very effective in the context of an in-house design organization. Okay. Uh, certainly you can map uh, the approach that she was outlining here to an agency context, but in-house in it's particularly valuable, especially when the organization may be Kind of led by either engineering or led by or, led by yeah. bankers or yeah. something like, <laughs> something like that, right? Where you yeah. just, as a designer, you feel very alienated from what is essentially kind of core to the organization, without question. Uh, so having a structure like this, where uh, it's uh, design leaders coming up with that structure for these folks instead of a, a top-down HR organization that's trying to kind of you know shoehorn you into a particular structure, uh, that's uh, incredibly valuable to yeah. staff. And I think it's important today, too, because the baby boomers, in my mind, really represent the last generation that will work for the same company for That's 30 right. to 40 years. You That's know, right. and so it's a real crossroads in terms of looking at, you know, I think organizations need to start recognizing whether whether you're yeah. Google or whether you're a small independent shop of five people, let's say, yeah, sure. you know, the people are your foundation of your organization, <clears throat> not not the applications and the That's products right. and services. It's the people that build these things. And if you don't yeah. recognize the value in them and helping them recognize their own strengths, like Margaret, you're saying around the Myers-Briggs testing, some simple tool, right, yep. that can give people mm -hmm. a little insight. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. People will just go to another organization where they feel That's valued. Right. And they yeah. do. And, That's they, right. and, they, and yeah, constantly. And you know, really, at, at, at you know, at the core of it, you know, there's a, a worksheet that's um, associated with this chapter that you know you can find on the website that we built, and people can use and edit um, to use within their own context. But really, what it's about is saying, you know, for this year that we're in right now, so 2008. Yep. In December of 2008, what do I want to look back on and say? I'm really excited for myself that I was able to accomplish X, Y, and Z. Hopefully, that has a pretty strong overlap with the expectations that the company has of you and your job, but it's most likely a broader set of issues. Mm -hmm. And then also to have the conversation, like where do I hope to be two or three years from now? Yeah. And really to make it okay to kind of put all those things on the table. And I found it to be really valuable as a manager to just really allow that kind of transparency and honesty where people can say, you know, I'm really only planning to stay in this job for maybe another two years. And I say, okay, well, mm -hmm. what do we want to accomplish in those two years? Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, a lot of times, if you mm. kind of approach it from that perspective, they stay longer than two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, they not just, just that. If you're not having that conversation, you're yeah. never going to know. There's somebody who's dissatisfied for a yeah. couple of years, and That's at the right. end of it, they're gone. And, That's right. You know, you yeah. look clueless. So right. having that dialogue is so critical. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Graham, the third chapter is around uh, performance, the performance management guide, which ties yes. directly and obviously to the the last part of uh, chapter. Excuse me. Builds off of yes. yeah career development. So maybe elaborate yeah. a little bit on that. So, um, I, certainly, I think actually the focus for the performance management guides uh, that we had here, and uh, you know, I should probably just put some disclaimers out there. Sure. 
Uh, Myra and I don't necessarily have all the best answers for these <laughs> things. Okay. Yeah. Just again, yeah. resetting expectations. Yeah, but um, you know what? That's good. You're being at least you're being honest. You're putting out ideas, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think that's that's really the value of having the website and the structure that, that we have out there, where it's more of a conversation, or it, it, at least we hope it to be. So, mm -hmm. um, but in any event, now that I've set expectations, performance <laughs> management guide. The um, the the focus here was really more on. Uh, how it is that as a, a team of leaders within an organization, we track and give appropriate feedback to, to folks on the team, okay. to staff members. Right. So, um, and uh, really, I, I think part of the way that this process came about was that um, whenever, uh, whether it's a Google or in other contexts, uh, managers get together to talk about stuff and give feedback, uh, in a lot of ways that discussion is very subjective uh, and it's it's kind of variable. It's all over the all over the place. You focus on all sorts of different issues and argue different points. Right. So the structure that we have here tends to try to um, identify uh, sort of what the core attributes of a particular job for a designer are or is, and uh, break those attributes down into categories. And then, in the context of evaluating a staff member, focus on those uh, categories of attributes and um, and score them. And I, I got to tell you, I'm a, as my will vouch, I'm a spreadsheet junkie. <laughs> <He> okay. <is. laughs> yeah. So there's a spreadsheet on the website that goes along with this. Of course there is. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, and more to come. Accepting come. it though is the first step to you know that's, moving forward with your life, Graham. I'm really happy that you're adopted a, that. You're feeling better. That's good, man. Only eleven <laughs> steps to go, people. Of, excellent. Very good. So um, anyway, so uh, what was I talking about? Oh, the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet. Yeah. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. So um, and if you look at the spreadsheet, the way that we've got it set up is um, the categories of attributes are basically just columns and we're scoring on each of those attributes and that gets a total score and then you can stack rank your stuff based on the score and of course you know there's even though this sounds very dry and it's it's about numbers and that type of thing right. what I've really found is it helps focus the dialogue around a particular uh, designer on a team mm. around those attributes really well so instead of talking about well, this person delivers on time, but somebody else says that, well, they may deliver on time, but the quality of the work sucks or what have you. Sure. So you get to focus on a specific attribute and score on that and then move on to the next thing. Right. And um, it also really helps structure how it is you provide feedback to the individual too, because you can track how they're performing on these attributes over time and uh, give feedback on that trajectory when you end up finally sitting down with them and giving them the... Uh, the verdict on their performance. Now, do you think that sort of is that sort of uh, approach with respect to the performance management guide? Do you think that's important for for companies that are are, are the size of, of Google, or is it just as important for smaller companies as well? Well, I mean, my feeling is that you know, sometimes uh, in a larger company with a larger team, mm -hmm. it's hard to be everywhere and be acutely aware of mm -hmm. what everyone is doing. Exactly. And so in contexts like that, I think it's even more important to have some level of quantitative data that For you're sure. working with. Yep. But mm -hmm. I, I think that there's a higher, like it's kind of a, a higher level issue, which is even in smaller contexts, and maybe even more so there, where personal interpersonal dynamics can really start to do funny things in performance management. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you're assessing people, um, there is a level of subjectivity that's involved, right? right. And um, when personalities come into play, I think, you know, there's a very legitimate fear within teams that manager assessment is going to be more about, do I get along with these people right. yeah. than yeah, yeah. are they doing the best work possible? And so mm -hmm. 
what I really like about Graham's approach is, even though I think it's foolish to deny that there is that there is you know subjectivity involved, <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. you can say, listen, I'm, I'm going to be transparent about how I'm doing this, and I'm going to try to make it as quantitative as I can to balance the inevitable subjectivity that goes along with humans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so um, and so you know you can understand well you know if. If there's a conflict between a manager or an employee, that you know that employee is going to know that at least most of their performance is going to be judged on something that's a little bit more measurable, yeah. um, and I, I think that's important. So you know, does it have to be as detailed as um, as the approach that you know um, Graham is setting out? Well, maybe it can be a little bit lighter, but I think right. having some kind of structured <laughs> system, I think, mm -hmm. is is great from a number of perspectives. Yeah, I mean, as a designer years ago, I had no idea how I was getting assessed. Right? The, oh yeah, no. Yeah. My you know, manage, managers were doing a great job at what they were doing as far as getting work done and, and leading projects, but as far as providing feedback to myself and my peers, mm -hmm. I mean, it, would, it varied quarter to quarter, week to week. Uh, it was difficult to work out what the expectations were. So, so that's kind of what we try to do here is just get the expectations set up front and allow room for kind of you know changing company or team goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, and bake that in. So. And you know, a lot of it really is at, at a fundamental level about transparency. I mean, one thing that I did within mm -hmm. my team, which is a little bit more kind of less numbers oriented, but it really is drawing on the same thing, is I kind of kept a diary study of myself in oh, the kinds of things that I was using to assess people. And I, I mean, the, did your therapist write the, <laughs> that? <laughs> That's right. Good, good therapy. Um, and it, it ended up being like a couple pages long, you know, of, you know, my observations of presentation skills and, right. and me writing their weekly or reading their weekly reports and all of the things that I consciously keep in mind when yes. I'm assessing them. And, and I shared it with my team mm -hmm. so that they could understand for better or for worse how I go about doing this. And then they had a chance to say, you know, I think issues 12 and 15 and 17 really aren't relevant. And I think that you should add these things to the list. Yeah. So it was really nice to do that so that they could understand me as a manager, like how I approach this process. Right. And that we could have a conversation if they, you know, the things they agreed with, the things they didn't. You know, that's the perfect feeder into the next chapter. I know. <laughs> chapter four. I got that. <laughs> so the, well done. Thank you. Um, so the, the last uh, chapter that we presented to the workshop was uh, around um, what I referred to is individualization and there's a large part of it that's really about leadership feedback okay and um, and you know I, uh, I I have this kind of concept around management and team dynamics and uh, it's called the super friends the super friends concept oh, that's taking me back I know it um, yeah. and you know the fact is is that you know it's building on what we talked about in terms of helping people get awareness about their natural strengths you know, in Super Friends, no single superhero had all of the powers. Like they each had particular things they were good at, and then weaknesses, right? So, um, what about your Robin joke? I, I know, I know. Everybody, because <laughs> the picture that I always show has Robin in it, and then a couple of times people were like, "That's ridiculous." Robin didn't have any super superpowers, and I was <laughs> yeah. like, "That's because he never had a great manager." It's you know, wow. uh, Batman yeah. obviously was asleep at the wheel. Um, <laughs> no, but the idea is that really within a team. What you're trying to do is build the most um, competent and effective and productive team. And that, right. that's done by drawing, uh, drawing uh, from the strengths across the whole team. Mm -hmm. And you know, if, if you have a team that's very self-aware um, as individuals and it's, as a team about like, what we're naturally good at, you know, what, what we're not that great at, um, you, can, you can do better work much more consistently.
And so this individualization process is, is about going through some kind of assessment and then really having conversations with each individual on your team right. so that you can say, you know, what are the things that are most important to you and a manager or a leader? You know, and really valuing the people. That's right. right. And 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 understanding that each member of your team to a certain degree is looking for a manager that's totally optimized for who they are. Right. So maybe they're a person who's very uncomfortable with ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're a person who is very shy and doesn't speak up in meetings. I mean, every person is going to require a different set of coaching skills and development skills. But unless you have those conversations with people, you're not going to necessarily be um, aware and be able to adapt to each individual. So what, what I developed was this, this set of cards that we gave out at the conference. And we'll put a PDF version up on the site so people can download them. And basically, they just have a bunch of different attributes of different managers. So a good listener, you know, positive, advocate, a team player, trustworthy. And you know, there's just there's a, like over a, a dozen. There's a whole bunch of them. And the cards are really interesting because first of all, they're tactile and people can kind of sort <laughs> through them. Yep. Um, and you know, the idea is that you you give these to each individual on your team and they get to sort through them. And there's a couple of things that happen. One is that they look at this, this list and they're like, these all look awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it's very, people recognize very quickly that no one person can be all these things. No, of course not. Which is a really important intellectual shift, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, like just as each individual team member is only going to be naturally good at a certain number of things, that's absolutely true for managers too. So as a manager, I'm going to be particularly good at some of these things, and some of them I'm just not going to be that great at. Now the trick is you then ask the individuals to say, well, which three or four are most important to you? Right. And when they put those cards in front of you, what you're hoping is, oh good, those are the things I'm naturally good at. But what often is the case is maybe one or two of them are, and then the others are things that just aren't your natural strength as a manager. Right. And then you can have a conversation and decode maybe some conflicts that have been going on between you and that individual and say, mm -hmm. well, you know what? Like, I'm not a particularly organized person. That's right. not my strong suit. So let's find somebody within the team, and maybe it's that person, that individual you're talking to can say, how can you help me make this team be and feel more organized. And it's that distributed super friends model mm -hmm. where it's It's this, like Margaret and I. You know? Margaret <laughs> recognized so that true. she wasn't so great with spreadsheets. I stink with spreadsheets. So Robin over here. Right. Oh, I recognized, yes, I recognized Graham's strength and took full advantage of it. Well so done. yeah, and so there's also a worksheet that goes along with the cards, and basically it's about facilitating a very open, honest conversation that's not judgmental, you know, right. and that so we can really talk about this is what I need, mm -hmm. and you know, then the manager can say this is what I can bring to the table. Let's just figure out to get you what you need, regardless of where it comes from. I think a big part of this too is the follow-up, just making yeah. sure that if you're committing to adjustments mm -hmm. to behavior or. Um, committing to certain activities, then you report back to that individual or to the team as a whole and say, okay, you guys said this, or you guys were suggesting this about behavior change for me, or actions to put in place, and here's what I've been doing about it. Yeah. Uh, that really just builds a whole lot of, I guess, um, sincerity about the process and yeah. makes people feel like it's it's real, right? So, yeah. and as well as thanking staff, right? You gotta thank them for the time that they're taking to, um, to, to give you that kind of feedback and uh, 
Yeah, my, that's improving yeah. you as well. Yeah, my father was the uh, director of engineering at DuPont Canada, and he got to work with Stephen Covey, Charles mm. Crone, some yeah. of these other leaders. And, uh -huh. and uh, you know, one of the most important lessons he taught me, at least from a, like from a business perspective, is that everyone wants to feel like what they're doing is of value, and that they're yeah. valued in the process. And that that relates mm -hmm. to the garbage man picking up your garbage in the morning, all the way up to the CEO of Google. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone wants to feel like they're getting out of bed in the morning and they're contributing something yeah. that's worthwhile, right? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. anyway, just I thought that led to what you were talking about, and I actually have a haiku here that I wrote Ooh. down that relates directly wow. to what you guys were talking oh, about so in excited. this last one and it goes and I don't know if I need to change my voice or sit up straight or something for this but I will be canning syllables so. <laughs> I didn't write it it's not oh. my fault okay. Okay. Um, manager leader which am I how can I ever succeed at both and uh, another one that I wrote down was, look at the numbers, UX makes a difference, brings people success. Yeah, you know what, actually the first one's a, it's great because that's, that's definitely one of the issues that we, we struggle with. A lot of the folks yesterday were bringing up uh, issues around leadership and setting vision and influencing an organization. Um, and uh, it's definitely something that, that we struggle with and hopefully we can get some answers on uh, or some ideas on how to solve some of those situations. Well, I, th I, th I think what, you know, was very clear yesterday and it's something that I've noticed over the years is there's kind of a yin and a yang of creative leadership. Okay. Um, and one side of it is, is the stuff that we talk a lot about, which is how can you be inspiring? How can you um, make UX really influential within organizations? And then there's the other side, which is the seemingly very kind of boring, mundane, administrative stuff. Right. And what I found is really important is to really feed both sides of that. Um, you know, especially if you're managing a team of any kind of significant size, that you really need to feed both sides of that. You need to be providing the structure and really the traditional business management that is required for, I think, a highly, you know, high-functioning team right. and also be able to provide that vision and creative leadership. And I think that was really apparent yesterday. You know, we mm -hmm. had the, yeah. the workshop kind of self-select some topics that they wanted to dig into as additional chapters and there were topics in both of those areas and and so i think that was really interesting i think a lot of times at, at conferences we can be very externally focused in thinking about everything that's going on outside of design and how to change what's going on outside but i think we need to spend more time reflecting on internal things that are going on within the teams and the dynamics that keep us from doing great work that have nothing to do with the forces outside. Yeah. It's the forces inside. Yeah. Um, and managers and leaders can be totally instrumental in, in making teams internally um, functioning you know, really well. Yeah, and I hope that this is, the guide can actually facilitate for folks who do have that struggle between uh, casting the vision and doing the internal team management, mm -hmm. that uh, the tools can really enable uh, efficiency around some of these things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know we, we keep joking about my spreadsheets, but <laughs> part of the reason why I put those things together is because uh, in my role at Google and in previous companies, I do tend to kind of split time between traditional management activities and either working on projects or trying to, to sort of lead in terms of envisioning. So, uh, and because of that split, you really have to be super efficient at doing both of those things, because they're really two 100% jobs, or two 200% jobs. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so the, the spreadsheets, as, as fun as they are, uh, really help just kind of take a lot of the, um, or just add a, a, a high degree of efficiency to mm -hmm. a lot of the kind of 
not necessarily mundane, but the day in day out management tasks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and efficiency through focusing on what's really important. Right? Yeah. Like so that then frees right. me up so I can concentrate on a project or create a vision yeah. or what have you. Yep. So. Excellent. Yeah. Guys, this has been fantastic. I know it's been a, it's been a great week, but a long yeah. week for everyone as we sort of yeah. tend to wind things down. But uh, on behalf of Box Neuros, I really want to thank uh, you and Google for taking the time to uh, chat with me this afternoon. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks very much for having us. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thank you.